You're listening to Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals. Hi, this is Dr. Ann Goldberg, president of the National Lipid Association, and I'd like to welcome you to Lipid Luminations, hosted by Dr. Larry Caskell, presented by the National Lipid Association. My guest today is Dr. Bill Bowden, Chief of Cardiology at Buffalo General and Millard Fillmore Hospitals in Buffalo, New York, and Principal Investigator of the Courage Trial, which was published in March of 2007 in the New England Journal of Medicine. Dr. Bowden, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. For some of our guests who may not be familiar with the Courage Trial, could you tell us a little bit about what it is? Very briefly, this is the largest prospective randomized comparison of optimal medical therapy combined with percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, versus a strategy of optimal medical therapy alone in 2,287 patients who were enrolled from among 50 U.S. and Canadian centers. All these patients had, for the most part, chronic stable angina with about a two-year history of angina prior to enrollment. And as I mentioned, they were assigned to one of these two treatment strategies, angioplasty with optimal medical therapy versus optimal medical therapy alone, followed for two and a half to seven years. And the trial primary endpoint was to examine the role of the strategy assignment on the endpoint of death or myocardial infarction with a median follow-up of 4.6 years. So that's very briefly the study design. And I think it's important to stress that these people had chronic stable angina not unstable where they actually needed something done immediately. And I think that's a very valuable distinction because clearly this was not an ACS or an acute coronary syndrome trial. It was not a a trial of ST elevation MI where, where there's been a proven benefit for PCI. But importantly, patients with chronic stable angina account for about 50% of all the angioplasties undertaken in the United States annually. And these are data that have been replicated from the American College of Cardiology National Cath Lab Data Registry, which indicate that 49% of all PCI procedures are performed in such patients with chronic stable angina. Prior to the COURAGE trial and its results, what was kind of the conventional wisdom on the street? Well, because of the previous studies that I alluded to, which, which in fact did show a survival benefit associated with PCI for patients with ST elevation MI and acute coronary syndrome, I think that there had been a prevailing belief, or if you will, the conventional wisdom, that if you had the combination of angina, objective evidence of ischemia on stress testing, and if you had significant uh, coronary disease as detected at angiography, that the conventional wisdom dictated that you needed a revascularization procedure, and the only question is, which one should you have, bypass surgery or PCI? And again, I think implicit in this conventional wisdom is the belief, shared by both physicians and patients, that angioplasty is a prognostically altering event, that it actually does provide a durable clinical benefit beyond just mere angina relief or reduction of ischemia. And naturally, since PCI is, is far less invasive than surgery, you can, you can easily see why over the last decade in particular, you know, PCI has become, if you will, the dominant strategy for myocardial revascularization. That was the pre-courage world. So let's discuss kind of some of the results you found and some of the surprises you found. Well, uh, I think that's exactly right. Leading up to courage, there was only one other trial, which I might add was the RITA-2 trial published in 1997 in The Lancet, uh, 1,000 patients conducted in the UK and Ireland where patients were randomized with chronic stable angina to balloon angioplasty versus medical therapy. 
And medical therapy in that era consisted principally of aspirin, nitrates, and beta blockers. And again, it was conducted in opposition to angioplasty, meaning that it, it was either or. You, you got either angioplasty or you got medical therapy, not both together. And that study interestingly showed that there were there was significantly better outcomes in the medically treated patients. Now, as provocative a result as Rita II showed, it never gained traction in the marketplace because uh, three years earlier, coronary stents came into existence. And within, obviously, a year or two of the advent of stents, no one was do- doing balloon angioplasty any-, any longer. And so the Rita II results became quickly historically irrelevant, although I think that they really did, in fact, show an important outcome. So Courage then was really predicated on performing a similar study, you know, modeled after Rita II, but using coronary stents and giving everybody optimal medical therapy, which consisted of individually those drugs that had been proven in individual randomized control trials versus placebo to be a benefit. So aspirin, clopidogrel, beta blockers, simvastatin. ACE inhibitors, long-acting nitrates, and so forth. So all of these drugs, anywhere from five to nine drugs in combination, were used in both groups uh, in the COURAGE trial. And then, of course, one group received PCI and the other group did not. And over the 4.6-year follow-up period, what we observed was that the death MI rate was 18.5% in the optimal medical therapy group, or the OMT group, compared to 19% in the PCI group, which obviously was not statistically significantly different. And we looked at three other endpoints. We looked at the rate of hospitalization for acute coronary syndromes. We looked at the rate of myocardial infarction. And we looked also at the incidence of all-cause mortality. And with all three of those secondary outcomes, again, we saw no significant differences between the two strategies. And in fact, with the MI endpoint, we showed about a 13% higher MI rate in the PCI group. So when all was said and done over a two and a half to seven year follow-up period, we could find no evidence that there was incremental benefit of PCI on top of a background of optimal medical therapy and lifestyle intervention for reducing death MI or other important clinical endpoints. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Bill Bowden, who was the principal investigator of the COURAGE trial. And Bill, all I can say is, wow, that seems incredible, and it seems like it should have turned the interventional community on its head. But I think you and I both know it didn't last that long. Well, I'm not sure I totally agree with that, Larry. And by the way, I did gloss over the one question you'd ask, which is, were there surprises in COURAGE? And I'm not sure that the death MI endpoints or the other endpoint differences were much of a surprise. Perhaps to some they were. But one of the things that was interesting in the study, which I think was unexpected, was the angina reduction associated with optimal medical therapy. Clearly, angioplasty proved to be superior to optimal medical therapy for reducing angina and improving quality of life for about the first one to two years. Uh, but after about two years, those differences really abated. And by the three-year mark, there were really no significant differences in quality of life measures between the PCI and the OMT groups. And by five years, there were about three-quarters of both groups were entirely angina-free. So one of the things that I think was, in fact, a surprise in COURAGE was how well optimal medical therapy was for alleviating angina. And I think none of us really expected to see that OMT would fare as well in terms of reducing angina. So that was, I think, a very notable 
observation in the study and one that, quite frankly, uh, was a bit of a surprise. In response to your other suggestion that that maybe the effects of the COURAGE trial were short-lived and perhaps not really changing practice, I would beg to differ. You may or may not have seen there was a front-page article in the USA Today that talked about perhaps the decline of the golden era of angioplasty. And the USA Today commissioned the researchers at Duke to interrogate the ACC NCDR data registry for PCI, and in fact showed that over the last two years, and in fact in the first quarter after Courage was published in the fall of 2007, that there had been a 18% decrease in the use of PCI for stable angina compared to 2005, which was the reference standard. So across the country, I think we've seen somewhere between a 15 to 20% reduction in angioplasty procedures for stable CAD. And, and I think, in fact, it is having an impact both in terms of physician practice, in terms of physician decision-making, and also in the marketplace. Can you put a stent in without doing angioplasty first? Well, you, you can't do it without performing angiography first. So obviously, you need to define the coronary anatomy which we did encourage, I might add. But I'm just curious if there's been a decrease in angioplasties, has there been a decrease in stent placements? Let me put it this way. About 95% of patients who get angioplasty today get stents. So we don't really do balloon angioplasty any longer. So if if you wind up having a a catheter-based procedure, it will almost always involve the placement of a stent to obviously prop open and maintain coronary artery patency. But the fact of the matter is the angioplasty procedures in stable patients are down about 18% over the last year. And interestingly, the utilization of drug-eluting stents, you know, which were FDA-approved in 2003 and whose peak usage topped 92% in 2006, the utilization today of drug-eluting stents is now down to around 60 to 65% uh, of all procedures. So there's there's been quite a shift in practice in terms of maybe a more thoughtful approach to considering optimal medical therapy as a viable third treatment option, which I think leading up to Courage wasn't really genuinely appreciated. And I think it also indicates that if you do decide to defer PCI as an initial treatment strategy, you do so without incurring any excess risk of death, MI, or stroke, or other adverse outcomes. I think the concern has been if you find a coronary artery narrowing at angiography and if you don't fix it, you know, then is the patient at risk for developing an event or is the interventional cardiologist potentially liable should something happen to the patient? And I think we can say convincingly with the COURAGE trial data that there is no penalty, if you will, by deferring PCI initially and treating the patient aggressively with lifestyle intervention and aggressive medical therapy. I was recently at the the Northeast Lipid Association meetings and you gave a talk via telephone because the weather was so bad you couldn't fly in. And I remember one of the questions was, what do you do with the guy who's laying on the table who has a, you know, a 60 to 70 percent blocked artery and you you can't really have a conversation with this guy who's doped up on Versed because you don't really take him out of the lab and sit down and have the conversation. So therein lies the problem of potentially unnecessary stents being placed. Yes, Larry, and, and that's, a, that's a really good point that you make, and it's a point I try to emphasize a great deal, which is, you know, in the setting of elective angioplasty, and again, I want to be clear that we're talking about, we're not talking about MI management, and we're not talking about acute coronary syndrome, where that, where a PCI procedure can, in fact, be life-saving. But in the elective setting of chronic stable angina, again, 50% of all the procedures done in this country fall into that category. You know, in a non-urgent setting, I think one could make a very good case based on courage to have a timeout, which is 
rather than simply proceeding straight away to perform an angioplasty, it might be more prudent to have a more thoughtful discussion of the risks and the benefits and the pros and the cons of all the treatment options, which, let's say for a diabetic patient with multivessel disease, might tilt the scales in favor of bypass surgery because we do have clinical evidence from trials to support the benefits of bypass surgery in terms of reducing death and MI, whereas we don't have those data with angioplasty. So I think that taking a time out and perhaps re-involving the referring physician or the internist who sent the patient to the cardiologist, it might be in the patient's best interest to have a more complete and thorough discussion of all the treatment options available to the patient and then to try to individualize which approach is best for that particular patient. After your study was published, did you receive any flack or criticisms from certain groups? there was quite a brisk pushback from the interventional community. And for the most part, I think the interventional cardiology community has accepted the results of the COURAGE trial. And I think now are beginning to embrace it more as we're getting into year two than initially. Dr. Bill Bowden, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been my pleasure and thank you for the invitation. Thank you for listening to Lipid Illuminations, presented by the National Lipid Association. For more information, please visit www.lipid.org. Reach MD, the channel for medical professionals.